Ah, uh, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world, I do hope you're having a good day, welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast, ah, this is episode 97, uh, where I was very privileged to have uh, Carl Wolf on, on the podcast, he is a up and coming comedian, uh, we had uh, a nice long conversation, uh, basically about uh, how things have been for comedians uh, for, like, throughout the, like, sort of uh, lockdown period, and how he sort of got into festivals as well um yeah there was much uh much an interesting point we covered and yeah i'd like to say sit back enjoy the show and have a great day thank you very much guys hey peace <laughs> ah hello my friends hello my life warriors wherever you are in the world i do hope you're having a good day welcome to the day in day out podcast this is episode 97. Today, I am very privileged and happy to have on the podcast, Carl Wolf. He is... Hello. He is a stand-up comedian. He is a youth worker. And yes, he is a host of a podcast. Uh, let me see. Uh, called, uh, yeah, the one where... That's it. That's it. How are you today, sir? I'm doing really, really well. Um, I feel really um, quite free, actually, because we've just been to, me and my dad just went to the dump, so we've taken a lot of the old things that we've just had stored up for years and years that no one has used, but said that they were going to throw away, but never did. And we just had a nice little cathartic clean out as well. And we've also got the paintings and decorators in. That's not a euphemism, by the way. Um, We've got... Actually, doing my, um, doing my up. So we, yeah, it's very, it's all very nice, very relaxed, very chilled out, and I think that's the best that you can hope for in these times. How, how are you? What are you? What are you saying at the moment? Now, at this moment in time, everything's cool on my end. Well, employment-wise, I need to seek that out. But that's another story. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I'm preparing for uh, the Paris Marathon, uh, which is something like a hundred and sixty. Seven days away uh so yeah uh my day like my sort of week has been filled with how can i put it? 10 mile runs two 10 mile runs then a break then two 10 mile runs then yeah so, so how, i'm guessing you've had to like change your diet quite a bit for that or not so much i haven't done that yet but the whole thing is like right now for myself uh, because i'm more of a heavy set fella uh just for the sort of working out i do uh, mm. I need to sort of kick that up again. Uh, so right now it's about just getting uh, miles in the legs. So mm. I can't just sort of go, okay, yes, um, I'm going to run a marathon because no. Yeah. Uh, today was a particular day where everywhere, if everywhere I went seemed like I was running uphill, even oh, when Jesus. I was running downhill. <laughs> it's like, so yeah. So that's been kind of me over the last few weeks. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, with this crazy topsy-turvy year, like, mm. living in the world of stand-up, like, comedy, right? Like, this is the thing. Like, being a long-time uh, watcher and listener of the Joe Rogan podcast, the one yeah. thing that comes to mind is, how have you been getting your reps in at this point? Uh, uh, at this present time, I've been getting my reps in because um, by... I'm currently the resident host of a comedy night in London. So even though I'm not always doing a set, um, on a bi or so, well, up until very recently, where we've had to stop until November 19th, just so that things can settle down in the area that we kind of do the comedy night in. Mm. Uh, well, I've been getting my reps in by hosting, by hosting shows and just being comfortable by being in front of being in front of an audience and that's kind of just helped with the improvisation kind of stuff mm. so um that's kind of it because comedy and comedy at the moment is there's very few nights in london that are still well, very few gigs in london that are still running and there's lots of comedians on one spots so you'll be got i'll be going to like websites where you can book spots and they'll say that there's like five spots available and there's about 50 50 comedians from london who have applied for those spots yeah so it's very, very, it's very, very dense and it's very like everyone's trying to get in everything that they can at the moment. But we're kind of thinking by about January, things will have 
you know, slow down, well, slow down a little bit. And um, yeah, it's a really interesting time. I'm quite lucky though, in the fact that I've got a set up, I've got a job I do day to day, so I'm not out of pocket, which is really good. But my heart really goes out to the comedians who are doing it full, are doing it full time, like the semi-pro ones who um, have lost out on like hunt, like thousands of pounds of work. And I know comedians who have had to do, um, who have had to take up, you know, manual labour jobs, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they, it's just, it's just a terrible. It's just a very, very difficult time to be in the entertainment industry. But also at the same time, it's also weeded out the ones who are kind of doing it as a hobby, and the one um, from the ones who want to do it. Well, who are looking to take it professionally, who are looking to take it so professionally, which is what I'm hoping to do at some point myself. Mm. But we shall see about whatever, you know, the new normal has for us, isn't it? Well, yeah, indeed. Like uh, zombie comedians or zombie players oh. or whatever sort of craft that yeah. they are. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine like before this and you, like it's one of those things I think Everyone knows when someone's like pushing to succeed and, and mm. when someone's just there to be there and you yeah. can't really say anything to these people. And I'm not going to ask you to name names, but no. when you kind of like have a, something like this, clearing out that sort of dead wood must be somewhat relieving because it just clears out the noise, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it does. I mean, I'm one of those people who will say, Anyone can try. Anyone can try it, whatever else. Mm. But this really had—it's um, kind of like it is a bit like a fresh start, and that's a good thing and a bad thing because you've—I've seen a lot of really good promoters who just really suffered because of the because of the because of the pandemic. But you know, um, hopefully there'll be a silver lining in this really dark cloud at some point. Mm. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like this is a thing. One of the things what interests me, what you've said with the like the number of spots which are available. There's like five spots and fifty comedians going uh, for it. And like I think because of like when it comes to comedy and sort of comedy mm. clubs and basically people on the come up, it's like you don't see anyone from mm. the lower levels. Then they're on TV here in yeah. the UK. That's how it kind of is like you appear. And you like they're there and now they're in the mainstream so you don't yeah. see all of the years of work what's gone behind that exactly yeah uh, it's been really nice for me because at the moment even though i'm not on that level yet i've seen people who had started a couple of years maybe a couple of years before i did because i went in this i'm going into i'm in my third year of doing it at the moment and um, I've known people now who've been doing it for a couple of years before me who are literally just who are literally just starting to get TV work. So I've had people I'm friendly with who have just gone up, who've um, just done the um, the BB, the new BBC standout show, which is on which is on iPlayer. Like someone I know called Vlad Illich, he was on the part five of that, and someone who I've met before called Tucson Douglas is also on that show as well. So it is one of those things where you do at my level you do get to see like people you do get to see people progress mm. and that's really good to see yeah like this is the thing like i know over in the states they're like comedy like they've kind of done with regards to the world of podcasts and everything like this mm. they've kind of done this sort of um, like quantum leap thing where it's like okay you are on the come up but we need to make sure to get your name out there like mm. is there kind of a like a little circuit of comedians which are doing that over here in the uk or is it just or, or is it's, it something you can't talk about it's like fight it's, not like something I, it's not something i can't talk about i know that there are i think i think the the best thing i think what i can say is i know that there are little pockets especially mm. in london but because london is so big and the circuit is so wide in london the is a lot is a lot harder to have a proper network if that makes sense like mm. joe rogan like joe rogan and his what have. i mean and it's not to say that it's really 
clicky or anything like that. But I think it's just because everyone's got their little groups, and within those little groups, people will help. You know, will help those will help those people. What would really help is uh, actually not even not even what would really help. Um, I just think that that's just how it is at the I think that's just how it is at the moment. And do you know what? That's not a bad thing because people are looking out for each other still. Mm. Yeah. No. Like this is the thing. I think. Um, like I'm. I'm speaking from a complete outsider in the world of sort of comedy and stuff like that. And I just like look at the sort of comedy landscape because mm. as I say, I see, I don't see the like early stages. I don't see the middle. I just see people who are like, yes. Um, like, <laughs> it's like, yes, I'm, I'm now famous. Like Chris Ramsey, for example, yeah. it's like nothing of that guy. Yeah. Here I am. I was yeah, I was the exact same kind of before I before I started because like I just see people online that you follow on the on the on the panel shows, which I no longer watch because I know how they are now and I know the mechanics of how they're made. But mm. um I you'd see them you'd see a bunch of comedians who are for a very long time, and and then there'll be like someone completely new just out of nowhere. So, oh, okay. They and it would just seem like they're plucking them out of obscurity. But no, there's always at least five year, three to five years of hard, hard graft in the in the trenches, as it were, of the open mics of the open mic club circuit. Yeah. So, like, this is the thing. You you know this. You like you you get the idea. You've seen like the like the hard work, the pain, which is mm. uh, in front of yourself and like in front of others. So what basically made you take this journey on? Um, I was 27, I'm 27, that's right. And I thought to myself, <laughs> what have I done? Because I'm scared of heights and I've gone absent and I've done, not bungee jumping, but like I've done, um, I've jumped off very, 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 very tall things. And I just thought to myself, what would scare, what would scare, what would scare me the most? What can I do? What fear can I confront next? And mm. um, I remember a conversation that I had in college with someone where it just took, we were watching like a, either Dave Chappelle or Russell Peters. And the person just turned to me and said, look, the scariest thing I can think of doing would be doing stand-up comedy and nobody laughing. So I thought at that moment, I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to try and do. That's what I'm going to do next. <laughs> so it was literally just um, what would scare me the most, and yeah. just going from going from there, really. <laughs> okay, uh, like are you a little bit of a sadist? Do I say that? No, it's not. I'm not. It's not a sadist. It's like it's oh. uh, more of an adrenaline junk. Not only an adrenaline junkie, but like it is just about conquering your conquering your fears. Really, mm. that's all it. That's all it really is, um, and just seeing that there's not really a lot to be afraid of if that makes sense no no it makes sense it's like a case of you've got a character within you which is geared to overcome things yeah like yeah and the bigger the thing i'd imagine the more sort of amped up you get to actually do it and like yeah. this is the thing um i would say entertainment as well as like especially comedy Woo. <laughs> yeah it's, it's even they, they can either really love you or they can really hate you, man. and that's the that's the that's really really fun and interesting to find out to to experience. Yeah, I can imagine you most probably learned a few things along the time of mm. this. You've been in the game now for three years. Yeah, years. I've learned. I, I don't. I'm not going to try and come up like I know everything, but I've learned. I've definitely taken in a lot of things from speaking to um, older committee, well, people who have been in it longer than me, people mm. who are now headlining clubs, and just taking in a lot of the, some of the mistakes that people make, some of the mistakes that people are making as well. Um, I started off, like, what got me, what got me, um, what, re what got me into it was yeah. I did a comedy course, and I'm not saying that that's the only way to do it. I'm not saying that's the only way to do it because I know that there's a lot of stick to do with people who, well, from people that didn't start with comedy courses yeah. to, well, against those who do start with comedy courses because, and I can completely see it. Um, 
they think that it just from it just takes it just um, produces the same type of comedian and I can see that to an extent mm. but it's kind of what I needed to give me the kick up the backside if that makes sense um, so because what I did was I knew at the end of the comedy course at the end of the six weeks or however long it was I knew that there would be a showcase where we had to put on, put on a performance and I didn't want my first performance to I don't I did not want to die on the stage die on the stage on my first performance. So what I did was the week after I started, I just started taking myself off to over mic to overnight nights and, before, and signing up and before, and performing. Mm. So I I got my training wheels off before the um, before the showcase. So what happened was when I told the person well Kate Smurfway who was my comedy teacher at the time she's a medium on the circuit. Um, I told her at the showcase that I've been I've, I've been doing gigs in between. Well, ever since we started, she just said, "Great, you're opening the show," and so I opened the showcase and did quite well. <laughs> oh my lord! Just like here you go. Now, yeah, why? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, my first ever gig was um, on a Sunday afternoon mm. in, in a room above a, in a room above a restaurant, no audience, just three comedians. And I still managed to get three laughs within my first ever five minutes. And I didn't tell them at first that I didn't tell them before well, before I started that it was the first time. Yeah. I told them afterwards. And then they were like, wow, that was very brave of you to do that. And they were kind of just like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is a good website for you to go to, to book, to, um, to book spots and they kind of assured me it's like it's not always it's not always going to be like this there are other things to go to and yeah and that was kind of how it started ah brilliant liking that and liking that like i have to ask like this is the thing like everyone has expectations of what they will learn when they start something Mm -hmm. what they what things they might pick up but what has been the one thing which has really sort of surprised you um going to different places in England, gigging mm. in different places in England, like places that you'd have never that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And getting and still managing to get a sort uh, most of the time a warm reception from people, even if they've never come across someone like me before. If you ca- if you catch my drift. I, I do catch <laughs> I, I I catch your drift and I yeah. I, I and make, um the <laughs> yeah. Um, and from my part, from my side of things, it's learning to not judge books by their cover, because end of the day, if you're out on a night, if you're out at comedy, generally you just want to laugh, and you're not there mm-hmm. to, you know, you know, promote any promote any beliefs or whatever else. And yeah, that was kind of that's one thing that I've that's one thing that I've definitely learned. Mm. I see. No, I can imagine sort of trying to tailor your comedy uh, to sort of different parts of the country because like, yeah, it definitely. must be difficult because London is London mm-hmm. and like Manchester, Manchester, Birmingham, like pick a place. Let me tell you something. Outside the M25, you may not, you may, you may be surprised by this. They don't give a shit about the tube. <laughs> they don't get, they don't, they just don't care about the tube. I mean, I've never done any tube jokes myself, but I've seen comedians who are from London take their London-based material and try and do it elsewhere. And oh my gosh, it is painful to watch. But that is, yeah, you can. I've also learned that you can be London funny. That's pretty much it. You can be London funny. Yeah. But you need to take everything outside. But it needs you need to kind of be accessible to people who are not from London. Mm. Yeah, uh, who was it? I was watching. Uh, I can't remember. No, it was um, Joe Rogan episode with Jamie Fox, and like, ah, good one. Yeah, basically, he was talking about how he started out, and with regards to him working out his sort of comic. Well, how Jamie started out, or how? Um, how Joe Rogan. Oh, how Jamie started out, and basically, he like he went to a comedy night and where everyone was basically pretty much straight laced yeah a whole crowd and like he came out with his like routine 
which mm. was uh how can i say it was a little bit more sort of ghetto like yeah. and stuff like that yeah and he he said yeah he he bombed he died mm. yeah, from that i was just like okay so he started to go okay he started to find go around different parts of the country picking up like five minutes here and five minutes there mm. if it's funny if they find this funny in delaware maybe i can take it from like that bit from here yeah put it into my routine it's like so he, over the course of time he built up i think it was either half an hour or an hour where he yeah. go right i've got stuff which is funny should be funny pretty much throughout the whole of the country yeah and sort of just like is one bit and like yeah it said he took i can't remember how long it took him but it said it took him a quite a bit of time and mm. i think basically any comedian which doesn't try to do that especially mm. like this country might be small and dense mm. population wise but it is quite sort of different throughout the whole country oh. with comedy yeah it is completely different um in well yeah it is it is completely different it's just little pockets who have their own little belief systems their own little you know their own little ways of doing things and not saying that's bad thing that's just how it is mm. um and it's just about how we can access, well, we can try to access, access them as well, access them as well, make them feel included, if that makes sense. Yeah. But sometimes they don't want to be included, and that's, that's their prerogative too. <laughs> well, I think but, that, that stems the breaks of comedy, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always forgot that Jamie Foxx was a comedian. Mm. Um, well, I started as a comedian, because I remember watching him on Def Jam, and he was killer. Yeah. Uh, like this is the thing you got to like Jamie Flock. Excuse me, da Jamie Fox is a man who's Jamie Fox. <laughs> yeah, that that's him on the last day of the month. I'm Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bring you this message. <laughs> like, like this is the thing. He's a man who's blessed with many talents from mm. comedy, acting, music, and like look, like he. <laughs> He's got his own sort of, how can I say, incubator program for bringing mm. up new talent. So he's yeah. one of those people which you like, go, oh, yeah, you are a renaissance man. Uh, That's right. You know, and therefore, sometimes I wish I could be more of a renaissance man, but you know what I mean? Who knows who what the future might hold? <laughs> Have, you seen Have you seen the movie Collateral? The new Collateral? The movie, the movie Collateral. Oh, the yeah. Tom, Tom Cruise. Yeah. That yeah. was phenomenal that is honestly one of my favorite films and that was what probably the first this that was probably one of the first times i saw him outside of the jamie fox show yeah but yeah so it was one of the things that kind of solidified him as an actual actor not just a comedic actor yeah but this is the thing that year when he did collateral uh, mm -hmm. was his magic year when he did rain he did rain didn't he yeah and like this is the thing look collateral he was like sensational in that Mm. Ray, it was like, oh my lord! Like, I'm, oh my lord. I'm not seen Ray yet. I know, okay. I know it's sacrilege to say, but I've not seen Ray yet. Like, what I'll simply say to you, like, if you've got time, and mm. like, I know you do over your half term. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, sit down, like, put on Ray, and I would say you will be pleasantly surprised. Oh, I'm not, I, 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 I know that. that. I have no doubt that I'll be that I'll love the movie. It's, it's one of those films that's always been on the list of things to watch, but mm. never got around to doing it. But I will do so. As we're put, as we're setting up a LinkedIn profile, I will do that as well. Look, look this is what look, put it this way. What I'll simply say to you is this: get get your internet stuff sorted, and when yeah. in the time you have, by the time you've done all of that, watch Ray and like appreciate <laughs> the goodness of that film. And yes. yeah, like basically go, okay, this is what excellence brings to the world. That's mm. what I was saying. And like, yeah, I would say, yeah. And with regards to yourself, what is like, what is in store for your sort of plan to sort of bring that sort of game of excellence to the realm of comedy, podcasting, game, uh, et cetera? The game, the game of excellence. Um, wow, that is, a, that is a very, very good question. Um, what I'm looking to, I don't know how much I'm willing to say about it right now. Um, well, actually, no, for the main podcast, I can say that I'm looking to expand the types of guests that I have on it. So, 
whilst listening to the comedians is great and understanding how their how how their minds work is fantastic. Yeah. It I want to I do kind of want to go into like well more of what you're doing and what you know Joe Rogan's doing as well and that you know have ev- more people from every walks of life on the podcast, which is why I'm trying to branch out as that as well. Um I've got something else sort of in the pipeline mm. where I may need a um, may need a videographer for as well, a video editor for it as well. But that'll be something that'll be something that's something separate, which is kind of just in the very, very beginning, which is in the very, very beginning stages at the moment. So we'll see how that goes. Yes. But that's something it's still something interview based. Yeah. But it's got more it's um yeah, it's I'm very interested. I'm very, very I'm very excited at the moment. Let's just say that I'm very excited. Okay, I'm feeling your enthusiasm. I'm feeling your enthusiasm. So like yes, that's the world of podcasting with regards to like your comedy as mm side of things like what do you think you'll be doing in say the next six months to a year six months right um i will be properly back on the horse in the next in the next six months pandemic you know pandemic uh, pandemic yeah. allowing yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i'll be gigging more outside of well gigging more outside of london which is what i was doing before the pandemic and just building up to Edinburgh 2022. Ah. Edinburgh. Um, with whatever that whatever that will look like. Because I did it with a group of friends of mine in 2019 where we did a complete where we did a full run. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the best training and learning experience I've ever had. Like just 26 nights um, of just doing the same show over and over again. And that was probably the best learning experience you could ever ask for. So if you're and if, if you're um, if you're a performer, I definitely recommend sign. If you're and if you're new to performing, definitely sign up to an Edinburgh Fringe. I mean, it costs an absolute bomb, but the experience that you gain from it is is priceless, essentially. Right. Like just for anyone who might be listening out there. When you did Edinburgh Fringe uh, 2019, mm. how much did it cost you to sort of get things set up? Uh, okay, now that's... See, what we did was we... Because uh, there were three of us, right? Yeah. So the actual show itself, um, we... It cost about 300 quid to put on the actual, to put on the actual show. Yeah. And you can make money back... You can make money back from the show, which we did. It was a profitable show for us. However... Where you lose a bit, where you're likely to lose a lot of money, is with the renting in Edinburgh. Because mm-hmm. what they like to do is landlords will hike, will magically hike prices up for the month of August. No, I have no, no, you know, no, no, no coincidence whatsoever. But there's going to be loads <laughs> of people coming down for the festival for that month. No, no coincidence there whatsoever. But um, that's where you know you're going to be lose it you're going to lose a bit of money so what i'd advise people to do is not what i did um and that is try and look try and book with try and book accommodation with people that you sort of know you can get along with mm. and that was what i was supposed to be doing this year even though i didn't get a show yeah. i was going to be going up to edinburgh for the whole month and doing spots at other people's gigs whilst growing whilst um, developing whilst growing the podcast and growing the podcast audience um but me and one of the guys, one of the people I did the the 2019 show with, we were going to be sharing a flat together for the whole month because he has a, he had a show on his own. Yeah. So that was meant to be the plan. And next, well, you know, pandemic <laughs> happened and put the brakes on that bad boy. Ah, no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> We do not live in the bubble when it comes to 2020. And no, effects. we don't. No, no. <laughs> it, it affects all of us, man. Like it's, it's crazy how much this whole situation has just brought the entire world to a, stand, to a standstill. Mm. Um, for better or for worse. Or for better or, well, no, I don't want to say for better or for worse. It's, yeah, it's just insane. 
But what I will say is that it's I'm in a semi-privileged position in that I am in game. I'm in gainful employment. I'm not in any danger of losing my job mm. or not being financially semi-financially secure anytime soon. Um, and I'm fully, fully aware of that. So what I would say to people out there is, if you do, if you do have, have gainful employment and you're not looking to, and you're not likely to lose your job, find a comic, who, a couple of comics or performers or entertainers who you do like, see if they've got a Patreon and just put like a couple quid in there every, every, every month or so, because they've lost it. They've lost their jobs and mm. they do, they do need help to start back up. Yeah, no, I think with regards to 2020 and like global pandemic wise, yeah, mm -hmm. like one, it has wiped people out and like it's really hurt uh, people. But I would say everyone who has had a plan mm -hmm. 2020 going forward, it's I think it's put everyone, everyone globally back about 12 to 18 months of what they yeah. were going to do. And it's just one of those things where okay if you said this beforehand uh, like no one would actually think it's possible now it's it's mm. happened people were still in the midst of it and yeah it's getting more and more confusing like lockdown yeah. 2.0 the confusing mm. one uh yeah. yeah oh god yeah several tiers of this and several tiers of that and look mm. If you ask anyone, I would say the majority of people will not know how the tier system works. And look, no. I've listened to it, and I still don't understand how it works. No, no idea. Oh, the, yeah. way I'm say, the way I'm going to say it is this. Um, I'm going to live my life mm -hmm. at this point. And well, I'm going to live my life until I'm told, you know, we can't, you can't do this any, until I'm forced to go, I can't do it, you can't do this anymore. But until that happens, I'm going to be learning to live with COVID because it's here. You yeah. know what I mean? It's one of those things where we can't get, we can't. It's here. We're not going to get. We're not going to get rid of it anytime. These anytime soon. So we've got to learn how to adapt and how to live with it. And I can see already that people are learning. They are well, maybe not learning, but they are. They are going back to, they are going back, sorry, Siri's trying to talk to me. Sorry, Siri's trying to talk to me at that point. Um, I, that's mental how that, that's mental how that, I didn't even ask it to speak. It just, that's insane. Yeah. All right. That, okay. We'll let my technology fears come up and up, come up another time. No, your um, overlords are listening to everything you do. Oh, uh, you know <laughs> what? They must be really, really bored if that's the case. Um, yeah, so what I was saying, yeah, I think people are really learning to, I think people are learning to adapt, and but understandably, people are getting annoyed and getting frustrated. Like it is, they're seeing there is one rule for them, you know, the people above us, and one rule for us. So I don't think I don't, I think they're gonna have a, and rightfully, I think they're gonna have a real struggle locking us down again if we do if they do trying to do it and well like this is the thing i think it's a case of with regards to the pandemic and like yeah the bqv uh i think it's a case of people understand like people understand it now in one way where before it was just like this new thing which was destined to maybe like kill several like several of us um, and yeah. the grand scale don't get me wrong it has killed people and that, and I sympathize with all the families who have come yeah. forward from this. But like when you're like when you're getting people, and this is some people's attitude. Oh, it's a, it, it seems like it's a severe flu, but people can get yeah. over it. You yeah. kind of like go, I understand what you're saying, mm -hmm. but, it's, but it's not that. Yeah. But, and you're not. And when you people see and say that, and they've got that attitude. They are not going to be like, yeah, lock us down again or no. getting away with this or do this. No. No. Um, and also what's what they're not taking into account is actually no shit, they probably oh, let me skip let me skip my, let me skip my word now again. Um what's really killing people at the moment is the fear of it. 
mm. and how in the very well in the very 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 beginning um when all of the mass media all of them all of the mass media was basically putting the fear of god into trying to put the fear of god into all of us that causes more damage and more stress to people that causes more damage and more stress to people psychologically mm. and what isn't helping right now is that every single death at the moment that's been recorded even if it isn't a cut even if they're not even if they're not covid or yeah. they're from covid they're going to still register as a covid death mm. and like this is a thing something which has changed over the recent weeks that i've seen is like they like it used to be like as you said every death regardless was registered as a death from covid now, like they're saying, it, like it's a death from COVID in within a forty-eight hour window. If you go wow. out, so like basically, this is the reason why you saw. If you looked at the beginning, some like from March, mm. April, that the death rate was up sky high with the infection yep. rate. Now, yep. infection rate sky high and the death rates smaller because I think yep. they're reporting it. But, in a different way. Yeah, but also, like they forget to sell us. We're also in flu season right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, no, put it this way. Like, if they didn't see lockdown 2.0 with, like, flu, which comes around every year, which mm. COVID is very similar to the flu, and then, like, if someone goes into the hospital with flu next mm. to someone with COVID, what's the likelihood of someone whose immune system's fighting off flu is now going to be joined with this new yeah. party bedfellow? So, exactly. You know, exactly. So, exactly. so you're kind of like going, okay, I, I can give you a lie on when it first started government because anyone who goes, oh, you should have been better prepared at the beginning. Mm. It's like going, no. you should be better prepared for an alien invasion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Like we have no idea how to do this and they don't know how and yet they have no idea how to yeah. do it. And like, even if it was like, and if there's another pandemic in the future, it could be completely, it's going to be completely different to where it is mm. right now. So you kind of go, okay. <laughs> but as time's gone on and you kind of seen how the sort of way it's played out, you kind of like go, yeah, come on. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> like, come on, guys. But you, you, sh you should be getting a little bit more together. Mm. Sort of and not be taking trips to random castles to test your eyesight. Well, mm, yeah, well, <laughs> let's say, let's just say the top people who've been like meant to be in charge and like, hey, mm. okay, no, mm. no, like no socially mixing, no doing long, unnecessary trips and stuff like mm. this from this, like from the, like from England to Scotland, I'm sure someone in Wales, they've mm. been, they've all been up to it. Don't do this. But why did you go on a family trip with at least 15 different members? Mm, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. And like you look, don't and it's just like you kind of like go, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's one rule for them, one rule for one rule for the rest of us. Yeah. And like this is the thing. Uh while it's being played out like that, I think less and less people are gonna sort of comply to most things huh. going on. And one of the things which I as a person who loves to attend the gym and stuff like this, when like when they said, yeah, we're closing gyms, and it was like, going, okay. Like most people who go to gyms are trying to keep themselves fit, healthy, which you mm -hmm. need to kind of do for this particular virus. Um, yeah. You're closing one of the main things, but you're letting pubs be open where people yeah. sit, drink, not doing anything, and you're like going in in much more of an enclosed space. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not sort of down with that, so I'm like, I'm, okay. Uh, well, it's almost like it's almost like they're looking after the economy more than our health. Well, there is that, and like this is the thing. Uh, one of the things they, I have to say, the government has to be careful of with regards to the economy because soon as things start switching, like they are more re like recession. Mm. people out of work and stuff like this the account like the economic ramifications become more deadly than the actual virus itself yeah so it's like, uh, with that i'm kind of like okay 
I'm kind of in two minds with that because I mm -hmm. understand what you said, the way you said it, and I agree with it, but <laughs> you kind of like, oh, what do you do? Yeah, because when the economy, well, when people lose their jobs and the economy crashes, that's when the mental health issues are going to rise, and when mental health issues rise, that's when the suicide rates rise. Yeah, but like the whole thing is like mental health, mental health with regards to basically the first stage of the lockdown that was never addressed. And like basically no. a number of people, unfortunately, because they've lost their support systems and structures and everything like that, have mm -hmm. to face a new sort of form of reality. And it's like, right, they don't have those supports. So what do they do? Then like sometimes the darkness of their mental health issues overrun them and that causes them to do like drastic and extreme things in some regards to basically find that escape or release. Yeah. And now, uh, sort of the health side of aspects of things have not really been sort of highlighted. And I think, I think globally, it's just been like a case of, yeah, we're going to search out a vaccine, but like, okay. Uh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But no one's saying, very few people are saying change your diet and exercise more well yeah like and i think sometimes it is a case of i think people are like some people are not taking their own sort of personal responsibility with regards no. to things and I, i'm not saying this to sit on a high horse or anything like this because look that's fine i sit on the high horse it's all good Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it's good from up here. It's good. It's good up here. <laughs> like, no, no, I get altitude sickness. It, no. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, this is the thing. Like, I don't do things in the most perfect way myself, but I do other things. But it's a case mm -hmm. of, I think there are, we as a society, sometimes we don't take our own personal responsibilities when it comes to certain things. We expect everyone else to tell, like do it, mm. but we don't actually take any action ourselves which is, yeah. you know what I mean? We got to take a good look, long, hard look in the mirror, I think, uh, mm -hmm. before like we throw out too many sort of judgments, but yeah. That's it, and that's the hardest, that's the hardest thing to do. Like, that's probably the one thing I'm grateful about this pandemic, about this whole situation for, is mm -hmm. that I've been able to not be, for the first time in many, many years, not be busy and actually have some time to actually look and reevaluate myself and mm. look and see why I do things and then sort of put some things in place to help myself instead of me just putting some or me just making sure that I'm constantly doing something so I don't actually have to reflect and yeah I feel so much better for that. Yeah. Like so would you say with regards to comedy and basically what you're doing with yourself at this moment in time, it's more of a road of self-development for you? I think almost everything that I've been doing, every, almost everything I do at the moment is to do with, with self-development, mm. whether it be elements of what I do in the comedy circuit or whatever expectation or whether it's to do with what I do at work. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of it is to do with either developing myself or helping other people to develop as well. Mm. And like with that, like, okay, with self-development, there are often two ways people look at it. Uh, yeah. One is there is a final destination, a final goal, or and the other is it's uh, always a thing where you're sort of constantly pushing forward and chasing, yeah. growing and development. Which one do you think it might be for you? Uh, second one, definitely, because I think if there, there should never be a finite point where you stop developing. Mm. There's, you should always be willing to, and from my point of view, you should always be willing to learn and grow as a person, because the only time you should stop doing that is when you're dead. And <laughs> for some people, and, and if you believe, and for, well, according to some beliefs, even after that, you can still grow and develop as well. So mm. even death shouldn't stop you. Mm, mm. So what would you say, like, sort of tying into the sort of question uh, before when, like, I went asked you about what you see the next six months uh, mm. to a year will be, what do you reckon one of the, what is one of the key sort of development goals you really want to achieve? 
um, key development goals. Um, I would like to have more of an idea about where and uh, how I want to progress in my day to in my day to day job. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some ideas at the moment, like maybe going to psychotherapy or psychology. Um, but I'd like to have. I'm going to look to have a more clear idea about that later on within the next few, within the next few months. And to do that, my work has been really good. They're putting me on a lot of kind of uh, career progression course, uh, career progression training courses. Yeah. Words, sorry. Um, <laughs> so don't worry, Jamie Flocks. Yeah, Jamie Flocks. Is it Jamie Flocks? As, <laughs> as many of it as uh, quite a few of his films will attest will, will attest to. Um, yeah, so that's what I want to do. Like, work. That's what I want to do. Work wise, have a bit more struggle in that, and. I think with the stand-up circuit, just I would probably be looking for uh, representation in the next year, in the next year or so, yeah. to get me into the to get me into the clubs properly. But yeah, that's kind of how progression looks for me at the moment. Mm, I'm liking it, liking it a lot. Ah, and whilst also doing all the psychological work that comes with that as well, so potentially therapy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Great. Perfect. Ah, it makes me smile to see someone with a plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you're just coasting, like, I mean, I understand why people do do it because it's a lot easier to do. But for me, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Like, I need to know. I need to have a bit of a structure, might I? Otherwise, things just fall by the wayside and there was a point in my life where things did just fall by the wayside but with some help I'm now beginning to like you know put the pieces back up again no I understand and like this is the thing like when you like you say coasting I think of it as more of a drift like basically Mm. like when you're not sort of paying attention like and if you're out in the sea and stuff like this and yeah a little dinghy like as soon as you sort of like drift or like you let your mind or your focus take you away for about 10 mm-hmm. minutes before you know it you're a you're a long way from shore and like yeah that's it man well the thing is you're a long way from shore and what you need to do then is row with your hands back but a lot of people aren't willing to do that mm. they are they want to wait for maybe the coast guard or whatever else to come and get it for them but it's about what you said people are yeah, so a lot of people are having a lack of responsibility, uh, not re- not always up for taking responsibility for it for themselves. Mm. Like, okay, no, I'm, I'm getting definitely more of an idea of who you are and what. Okay. No, no, no. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's a case of look, like yeah, with regards to you, self development, comedy, like yeah, like doing stuff which will make you kind of uncomfortable than being. F- fearless with regards to that well mm-hmm. fearless is not right because everyone has that sort of fear and like oh, of course like i'm not gonna lie every time before i go up in front of an audience i get nervous mm. yeah always. but i think that's because i care about it and i want to do well mm. i think the day where i stop doing nerves, when i stop getting nerves yeah that i won't i won't have cared about it as Mm, no i hear you and like yeah basically putting yourself into those places of dis like comfort to help your growth help your development and yeah taking you mm-hmm. forward that's the sort of impression i get from you i could be a hundred percent wrong that's a good thing because look the amount of people who don't want to do that in this world it's a lot and yeah. basically they, these are the people who don't sometimes find out who they truly are. And look, trust me, uh, it takes a long time to find out who you truly are. And there's oh, people. Oh, I know. Oh, I know that. Oh, I know that very well. <laughs> yeah, but you know, <laughs> can't. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But yeah, I'm liking it. I, I have. You've got the drive and focus and ambition. I mm. think to get far in this comedy world. If not comedy, yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's one of those things, it is one of those things where 
you do need a lot of drive. You do need drive because no one's going to come and select you mm. out of the five hundred, the five the thousand or so stand comedians in London. No one is going to come to an open mic game and just pluck you out of obscurity. You need you need to be the one to address people, and that's what I'm sort of beginning. While well, I was, that's what I'm sort of beginning to do now. Mm. I hear you. I'm liking that. Great. But may I ask, okay, what what were like what are some of the best stand-up shows you've seen? I've seen. Um, are we talking live or are we talking on D on or DVD? Uh, live DVD okay. stream. Okay. Um, so when I was eleven or twelve years old. Uh, my parents got me the Richard Pryor box set. So I was live on the Sunset Strip and um, watch it, uh, watch it, um, I can't remember what the other one's called, but 12-year-old me was, was into, yeah, that was a very, very, very insane, insane an insane watch because I, I didn't, even though, I find it funny because you know twelve year olds find slow and funny. Yeah. I didn't quite process. I didn't really quite process, you know, who he was as a person. But now looking back on that, looking back at those those two shows, those two DVDs, that I still got today. I've literally just, I literally just, when I was rummaging around my room yesterday, I found the box set. Um, looking back on them now, um. I can literally understand, I can really understand where he's coming from. So I think mm-hmm. those two are very, very prolific in my life. Those two shows are very prolific in my life. Um, I'd say Chris Rock, Kill the Messenger, <laughs> because that's the first show, that's the first stand-up show that I actually went to go see live in 2008 with my dad. Nice. And so I was 16 years old and we went to Hammersmith Apollo and that was insane because um, he had um, he had Earthquake, who's an American comic, open for him as well, and that was just a really great experience. And I got to go see him again ten years later when he came to the O2 Arena for his second for his second for the second time he came to to London, and that was again phenomenal. So those three shows were great. I'd probably also shout out um, uh, what's his name. Uh, Oh my God, Philip Philip Simon, um, who he's not someone who's particularly well known on outside outside of the UK outside of the UK circuit and on the UK pub circuit, but he did an Edinburgh show in 2019 called Not Dad, um, something called Not Daddy Pig because he used to play Peppa Pig's dad on a on the, in the stage show. Of yeah. Peppa Pig. But it was just a really, really great, phenomenal um, masterclass and performance. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I'm just trying to, and the other shows I've seen, oh, Romeshwang and Apen, he was great. This was great when I went to see him this year as well. Um, other shows that probably had an impact on me would be Russell Brand's Doing Life Live, because mm. that was a show that I watched well, the gig, the, the special that I watched when I was about 16 years, 16, 17 years old. And I just realized, oh, he's just talking to an audience. That is literally what he's doing. He's literally having a conversation with himself, but to an audience, and he's literally just talking. I mean, it's obviously more than that. Obviously, now I know more goes into it than that. Yeah. But that was like, oh, okay. This is something that is maybe not necessarily attainable, but it's it's just an amazing thing to do. And now I know that you know it takes a lot of work to get into that to be that conversational. Yeah. But watching it was phenomenal. And also, I think lastly, John Bishop uh, winging it on his well, um, which I took my dad to see at the O2 in 2017. Again, very uh, just very conversational. And mm. um, really, just a masterclass. That's what I'm saying. Masterclass. Perfect. I'm liking that. I'm liking that. There'll be a couple I will review myself. But nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, like, big, like when it comes to me, like my sort of first major stand-up I've saw was Del- Eddie Murphy, Delirious. Ah, hey. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'm always wearing the red, the, the red, red Yeah, basically, like, based, like, with my age, like, Delirious was on VHS tape. And nice. it, it was like, yeah, passed around. Like, <laughs> my friend Steve had a copy. He was like, yeah. Did your, did your mom know you watched it? Or was it, oh. did you have to pretend it was something else? No, oh, no, I couldn't have that in the house. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like, like, my mother's a good, fear, God-fearing woman. No, oh, like, yeah, like, yeah. God bless her. God bless oh, oh, yeah. But, like, Delirious, Raw. And like yeah, um, Robin Williams at like at the Carnegie Hall, you know. So like, yeah, and like yeah, all I got to say is yeah, powerful comedy, powerful. Yeah, comedy. very very. <laughs> like, people forget how good Robin Williams really was, man. Like just oh, phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal. Like, but the thing about the thing with Robin Williams that I've learned over the years, so I'm kind of reading. I'm not kind of reading. I am reading a book called Undying Up There, which is a biography of the comedy store in the 1970s. And mm. um, the way that uh, Robin Williams' mind would work, because he was so rapid fire and he'd say the first thing that come into his head, he would sometimes accidentally, in inverted commas, steal other comedians' material or use other com- comedians' material on stage or in his TV show, Mork and Mindy, because uh-huh. he would just, that'd be the first thing that comes to his head. So he would be paying other comedians very, very, like, um, once he realized it was their stuff, he'd be paying them a couple of grand, just be like, okay, sorry, I've used this. And here's, a, here's, here's some recognition. Yeah, no, like, this is the thing. No, that guy, like, he, like if you think, if you think you have punchlines lined up, no, mm. no, 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 no. <laughs> just have, you see, have you heard, um, have you seen or heard the special weapons of self-destruction? No, I have not. 2000, it was 2008. Really, yeah, I definitely say watches is one of the last ones he did before he passed away. Uh-huh. Phenomenal, absolutely uh-huh. phenomenal. I will get on that. Look, see, I'm gonna have to listen to this back. Like, yeah. uh, it's on Spotify, so go for it. It's on Spotify, so I'll give it a listen. Sweet, outstanding, loving it. Now, I have to like bring on <clears throat> because I'm a bre- being of supreme cosmic power. Uh, yeah. I can grant you one wish. What would yeah. that wish be? Um, I'd probably, I'm going to be really cheesy and say peace on earth. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you can't have peace on earth. Oh. <laughs> no, because, but, uh, yeah, that, it, that unfortunately comes under the cop-out okay. <laughs> wish selection, and I can't, I don't have okay. that. So... Peace. Okay, so I can't do peace on earth. No. Um, I'd probably say my one wish would mm-hmm. be for everyone to become more understanding of each other. Uh, okay. Which may, not lead to, which may not, which may or may not lead to peace on earth. Yeah. But it's the stepping stones in the right direction. Brilliant. I like that. <laughs> uh, I'll get working on that for you right away. Nice, thank you. <laughs> no problem. I, I, I look forward to all the world leaders calming themselves down well, as, well within the next hour or so. Well, what can I say? Well, it takes a little bit longer than that. I've got like I've got 97 wishes to all process through. Oh, 97 wishes. Ah, oh, I've got faith in you, man. I've got faith in you. Yeah, but I am of supreme cosmic power. So what can I say? Except yeah, bit lady spaces. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you? Okay, so on Twitter, um, I'm at Kyle Wolf Comedy. So it's K Y L E and Wolf is W O O L F Comedy, all one word. Um, Kyle Wolf Comedy on Instagram, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Also, oh, my podcast is called The One Where. And it's right, interview comedians and entertainers and some more interesting people and some very interesting people. That's on anyway my podcasts. And that's about to go into its second season in the next month or so. So uh, catch up on that. There's about 100 or so episodes. So at least one of them you will like. Uh, yes, there's 104 episodes. Yes, there is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I see. Uh, far right, I am. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Excellent. 
excellent. What I will do, I'll put all of that into the show notes, the description. And yes, please, uh, yes, go Thank out you. there, get in contact with him. And yeah, Carl. Thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been an honor. And yeah, great, great time. Right. Thank, you. thank you very much, man. All right. See you later. Bye. Uh, let me say this to you, my friends, my life warriors who are watching right now still. Thank you very much for your time today. Please stay well, stay safe, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Anyway, have a good day. Peace. And we are...